to Brave Girls Club. I'm Lindsay. I'm Kelly. And I'm Krista. And, and this, this is a podcast. podcast. A spooky, wookie, wookie one. As far as podcasts go, I think we'd be on the spookier side yeah. of the spectrum. Spooky and funny and cute. And leave us a five-star review on <laughs> iTunes and say all those things. That would be great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks in advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been posting everywhere, like, write a review, please. <laughs> Everybody that's like, hey, I like your podcast. I'm like, well, do you listen to us on iTunes? Write a review. <laughs> I like you as our uh, PR guy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Five-star reviews only, please. <laughs> that's all we've gotten so far, but I'm worried that we're going to get an enemy reviewing us just to be jerk faces. Well, with the last week... That has happened to me. It'll probably be someone that doesn't like me very much. Oh, boy. Don't be silly. They don't know you as a computer. It'll be Luciano. Luciano, one star. Stupid girls. <laughs> that sounded just like him. Thank you. Do a Luciano impression. That was it. Oh. Stupid, Stupid girls. <laughs> and, yo, yo. Those are my two Luciano. Yo, 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 yo. Yibbity. And if I could do the little... The little pop thing that he does. Oh, boy. I would. <laughs> Could you hear that? That hurts my mouth. I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. I'm, I haven't tried yet because I just know that I'm going to be just hitting myself in the face oh, yeah, for no reason. Oh, yeah, that's every time. I remember, I think it was one of the first times I met Luciano. I was drinking. I was drunk. <laughs> and... He kept doing that poppy thing with his mouth, and I was like, I want to learn how to do it. And we literally just... all sat around the bar and did that for, I swear, like six minutes straight. <laughs> just just slapping ourselves in the face. It was just quiet except for like the <laughs> sound like all over the place. <laughs> oh, still can't do it. Still can't. Keep practicing. You'll Thank get you. it. Thank you. I believe in Practice you. Practice makes perfect. True. I just need to keep hitting myself in the face a little bit more. Eventually it'll happen. <clears throat> I should on accident. Practicing on my free time, on my breaks at work, just like. Or just like at work <laughs> while the customers are trying to decide what they want. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll freak them out enough they leave and then you don't have to do anything. Hell yeah. That's what I'm all about. Not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Lindsay and Krista were in a, a commercial? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! We were we were we did. in a commercial. Mm. It's <laughs> not out. It's not out yet. So out yet. I don't even know if it will even air. We'll see if it yeah, does. We'll see. What was but it about? It was, was Tanyan coffee. coffee. And our friend Nick Riggs, shout out to Nick. Um, he films like ads for them all the time, and he asked if we wanted to do it with our other friend, Josh and Danny. Well, Danny wasn't in it, but Josh was, and he has a twin brother named Danny, mm-hmm. and they both love the podcast. Yeah, so oh, shout out to them. Shout out to the Matthews bros for loving what we do. <laughs> Truly some of the coolest dudes, though. Seriously, like, they're always stoked. Like, you can tell them, like, I just got a new job shoveling shit. They'd be like, wow, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they just really love poop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they probably loved that last campfire tale with the suck, sucking. Oh, the God. Poop, the poop sucking. <laughs> the poop. Apocalypse. Okay, the apocalypse. Uh, okay, all right. Let's not insult our in- listeners anymore. 
Um, they really are cool dudes, so. And that commercial was pretty fun to shoot, actually. For you. I had a good time. That day that I was there when you were shooting? All of my scenes were indoors, so I had a good yeah. time. Like, Lindsay, I'm not complaining or anything. I was just, like, insecure because my skin broke out that morning. And, like, when I woke up, and then I was like, oh my god, like, I have to, like, put makeup. You know how it is. And then, and then being outside and hot when your makeup yes, is, like, really and thick. I was outside for, like, two hours. It sucks.
when when you're on your break, when you get a break, which you never get a break, uh-huh. do you just like lay back with pepperonis on your eyes instead of cucumbers? <laughs> uh huh. I go in the. Uh, I've I've built a small hut in the back out of pizza a boxes. A pizza hut. Yeah, a small like shelter <laughs> out of pizza boxes in the back, uh-huh. um, where I hide under there, and I put um, pepperonis. On my eyes. Mm-hmm. And, um... Olives in your nose. Mm-hmm. And the icing that you use for the, um, things just all over your face. And the nice mm-hmm. mask. Being covered yes. in grease Almost and sugar is the best thing. thing you can do for your skin. I love it. That's yeah, where this um, beautiful dewy shine comes from. Yes. Pepperoni grease. Absolutely. <laughs> I condone it. I endorse it. Honestly, I'm gonna try it. The pepperoni at my work makes me... Gag. <laughs> I've never had the pepperoni at my work because I am a vegetarian. Well, but. I don't eat it, but the smell of it makes me gag. Man, I love pepperoni. But cold, and then you like open the, the like sealed package. I'm down them, for any temperature of pepperoni. Like pepperoni smell in your fucking face. It's gross. Spicy, salty, greasy. Those are my favorite flavors. That's why I'm gonna die by the time I'm 28. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could just eat a pepperoni every day, and that's my only food. Oh, maybe I'll just eat some gyms for every meal. No, Kelly. Kelly, you gotta eat. You think I won't? Those slim gyms. I I had a slim gym once a long time ago, and it was both really tough and very squishy at the same time, and yeah. it was not. It was not pleasant. That you just described me. <laughs> Tough, squishy, unpleasant. Oh, Kelly. Kelly, that's Kelly. not true, Kelly. That's not true. Kelly. I'm going to start cutting up Slim Jims and putting them in my salads. <laughs> and just like, why eat a salad at that point? So that I just can eat, eat a Slim Jim. <laughs> just a, an excuse to eat a Slim Jim Slim as a meal. Slim gross, Kelly. They're gross, and I don't care. I'm going to eat them. Fair enough. You know what? It's okay. I eat hot Cheetos sometimes, and those are gross. I love hot Cheetos. <laughs> I get the extra hot hot Cheetos. I Ooh. like the lime. The, the li- li- limon. Yeah. Lime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. What? <laughs> looked over at our Mexican friend. <laughs> How do I pronounce it? Limon. Yeah. Uh, we're probably going to lose some listeners over this, but I like the hot fries. Yeah, those Ew, are, those I don't are like good. Those. I loved those. You just lost me as a fur. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hot fries are delicious. No, I don't I, like I prefer, I preferred them. Like, I don't like that, like, shh. I do. I find <laughs> the crunchy ones, the crunchy are, are too crunchy. I think they're perfect. You know? like, it looked like you were just twirling a mustache. <laughs> I don't like the shh. They're the perfect they're mixture like... of crunchy and puff. Like, it's just right in the middle. They're crunchy perfect. And the crunch and the puff. I love the crunch, crunch. but not the crunch, okay? Oh, mm. okay. That makes okay. sense. Crunch, crunch. I like the crunch. I also enjoy a good crunch, but not a spicy one. Mm, that's fair. I like a sweet crunch. Sweet Spicy crunch. Yeah, okay. Thank you. I Welcome to anyway. our snack podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's time for a scary story, maybe? Uh, who wants, wants to go, go first? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how, <laughs> that was a demon coming out of me. Oh my god. How, we just had a blackout! <laughs> <laughs> that was spooky. Yeah, everything went dark. 
after the demon came out of Lindsay. Oh, Lindsay. I didn't like that Lindsay. at all. I'm not going to joke about that ever again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologize to God. I'm sorry, God. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> oh my God, did you guys hear that? Whoa. Stop, I don't want to joke about this anymore. To, to make Lindsay feel better, there is a scheduled blackout, like, in my neighborhood. It wasn't supposed to be, t- like, right now it's tomorrow, but... Maybe it was an accident. Oh, so. my God. Oh, yeah. Like We're all. good. So, should we, um... That was spooky. What? Um. Oh. Sorry, um. I thought something else happened. I'm freaked out now, guys. God. <laughs> no, it was, it was in the mirror. You weren't looking. <gasps> no. In the dark, there was another person in here, though. Stop yeah. It. Spooky. Stop it right now. Lindsay I took a... Look at me. Lindsay took a selfie earlier on Snapchat, and the filter just showed up in the corner of the You're room. You're right. <gasps> That's You're true. Right. And when it got dark in here, a fifth figure showed up in my mirror you're yeah. lying i swear stop it stop. i just like the spooky i'm so sorry stop i don't Should like we... that stop <laughs> it who wants to go first me okay <laughs> bitches <laughs> okay <clears throat> uh so <clears throat> i'm excited about my story my story is very popular, and you probably know all about it. And I'm not going to tell you any new information you don't already know. Woo! Um, a rerun. Yeah. I dig it. I like reruns. <laughs> um, so, I chose this because, like, if I were a true crime story, I would be this true crime story, I think. <laughs> like, you would uh, want this to happen to you? No, like, like... you took a personality test? Like, if I were to embody a true crime story, this would be the story that I embody. Okay. Is it the, I think it will is make it the more Vampire sense. of Sacramento? No. Because you put a blend... You put a baby in a blender? <laughs> I love that. No. I love that story, No, by not the way. that it has anything just like the Aesthetic. Because yeah, the aesthetic of a baby in a blender. I think it'll make sense. Okay, it's Michael Alec and the Club Kids. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. I watched a documentary today that I already watched like 5,000 times. I was like weirdly obsessed with the Party Monster movie like a while ago. Um, For one, because I love Macaulay Culkin in that movie. Same. He's hot. Mm-hmm. He is. He's so like in hot general, in I like yeah. Macaulay Culkin. I, should, yeah, I haven't seen that movie, but you Macaulay Culkin. Seen that movie? No, really? I haven't. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's yeah, fun it's one. so <clears throat> bad, but it's so good. And also, I'm just really into '80s New York culture and New New York '80s like gay art culture is super cool, and like. So, that plus a true crime story, I'm going to be all over that shit. So, if you don't know, here's a little backstory on Michael, Alig, and the Club Kids. Here we go. Yay! <clears throat> Born and raised in South Bend, Indiana, Alig is the second of two sons born to John and eight. Um, I can never, his mom was from Germany, so I can't really, I think it's Eeky, Eek, Eek, Elk, Elky, Elk, Elk, maybe it's just Elk, Elky, I don't know, Alec, his mother, a native uh, of, um, 
Bremerhaven, Germany, moved to the United States after marrying John Alig, a computer programmer. The couple divorced when Alig was four years old. Alig attended uh, Grissom, sorry, Grissom Middle School and Penn High School, where he was a straight-A student and graduated in the top 8% of his class. During his teenage years, Alig reported that he was often bullied because of his homosexuality. Seeking a less conservative social environment after graduating in 1984, he attended Fordham, uh, Fordham University in New York City on a scholarship. He studied architecture there before transferring to the Fashion Institute of Technology. There, he met the boyfriend of artist Keith Haring, who introduced Alig to uh, the New York City nightlife. Alig soon dropped out of school and began working at uh, Danceteria, Danceteria, yeah, Danceteria as a busboy. So, <clears throat> I think this time is very, like, um, interesting to me because of how, like, gross New York was at the time and how, like, gritty it was. But whenever you hear, like, people that were there in, like, like, the art scene or, like, but that's what, like, made it so great and that's why it was, like, they say New York isn't New York anymore because there's no more of that, pretty much. And how it was, like, <laughs> I've never been to New York. I don't know if I really want to go, but, um... <laughs> Everything that I, like, like, rent and stuff, like, everything from, like, the 80s and the 90s, it's, like, so different now. Like, that's why I love the get-down so much, because just, like, New York in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, man, is just so scary. I'm so interested <laughs> in it. And, um, <clears throat> so in 1984, this was, like, um, it was before the Club Kids movement, and it was, like, as, like, this whole, like, socialite, like, nightlife, like, Andy Warhol, like, Keith Haring, like, all, like, the famous people that would, like, go out in New York, like, ended, and, like, after, like, Andy Warhol died and everything like that, that's pretty much when all of that ended, and there was nothing going on for like, a while they called it just, like, a dry time where, like, you know, after he died, everyone was, like, just, I guess, sad and no nightlife was really happening until Michael Alig came on the scene, or Alig came on the scene and began Club Kids. He was, like, weirdly a genius somehow. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, just some kid from Indiana went to New York and started a whole scene, a whole culture, like, him and James St. James just, like, took it, and it's the photos. If you don't know what a club kid is, they would just go out and wear all of these crazy costumes and act really, like, kind of obscene. A lot of people thought that they were really annoying and hated them because <laughs> they would throw parties in, like, the middle of a McDonald's and, like in subway stations and everywhere pretty much and um but I don't know I'm just really inspired by their um like the style and the whole <clears throat> I don't know thing I follow actually on Instagram now I follow a lot of um 
people who still do it. Like, there are still <laughs> club kids. You know that painting of that Susie yeah. person? That he's, like, a club kid, like, today. Huh. And there's still groups of people, I follow a bunch of them on, because I'm, like, in love with the makeup and the costumes. Like, how fun would that be to just get to, like, go out like that Mm -hmm. and go to a party where, like, everybody else is dressed up like that? Like, just on a random weekend. And they're, like, not afraid to be ugly either. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's almost, like, grotesque, some Mm -hmm. of the things that they wear, and it's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, just, like, backwards, like, what isn't fashion, but it's, like, still chic and fabulous, and... Mm -hmm about that and so I did like so much reading and looking at I love like that whole I sent you guys a video in the chat in the chat I don't know if you watched it of like um the Memphis design and like the people that made the design of the 80s pretty much and I feel like club kids also had a big part in that as well and like even though they were, like, towards the end, I still feel like looking back is, like, that's, like, another thing that's, like, of the 80s and, like, the style of the 80s and, yeah. So, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Okay. So, now I'm going to talk about the actual crime that happened. Yeah, crime! (laughs) Okay, so Angel Melendez was a regular on the New York uh, City club scene and worked at the Limelight, among other clubs, some, um, sorry. Uh, So he worked at other clubs where he sold drugs on the premises. After the Limelight was closed by federal agents and an investigation found um, that Gatine is he's the club owner was allowing drugs to be sold there Melendez was fired shortly thereafter he moved to Alig's Riverbank West apartment on the night of March 17th 1996 Alig and his roommate Robert D better known as Freeze Riggs <laughs> um murdered Melendez after an argument in Alig's apartment over many things, including a long-standing drug debt. Um, Alig has claimed many times that he was so high on drugs that his memory of the, of the events is unclear. After Melendez's death, um, Alig and Riggs did not know what to do with the body. They initially left it in the bathtub, with which they filled with ice, after a few days, the, bega- the body began to decompose and became stinky. Stanky. <laughs> um, Is that the scientific term? <laughs> yes, yeah, stanky. After discussing uh, what to do with Melendez's body and who should do it, Riggs went to Macy's to buy knives and a box. In exchange for ten bags of heroin... Alig agreed to dismember Melendez's body. He cut off, uh, he cut the legs off and put them in a garbage bag, cut off the head and put it in another bag, and he stuffed the rest into a box. Afterwards, he and Riggs threw the box into the Hudson River. So, and how they killed him was, I guess, so they got into an argument about drugs Apparently, um, 
because I just watched this documentary, a lot of people that, like, knew Angel said that, like, he was, like, a poser, and the only reason why anybody ever wanted him around was because he had drugs, and, um, people said that they would hear Michael, um, like, joking, like, we should just kill him, mm. like, joking about oh, it, God. and, like, stuff like that, and so... He killed him with a hammer, and oh then God. they poured Drano down his mouth. <gasps> yes. And there, I did read somewhere else, I don't know if this is true, but I did read somewhere else that they put Drano into a, a syringe and shot Ooh. him up with it, too. That sounds familiar. Why? Yeah, but... so I think, I don't know if that's true or not. And then, so they didn't know what to do with his body, so they put it in the bath in the bathtub with ice and when it started to smell it was there for like over a week and when it started to smell they would just pour Drano all over it and so they were like having like legit parties and people over at their apartment while this was happening and people would be like what's that smell and he was just oh it's just the plumbing or whatever so like people were like there oh my god and then even when they did dismember it and they put it into the into the box the box was just sitting in the living room for another few days while they and one of the people that were there said that um that michael was sitting across the room from him with angel's boots on like with his with his legs crossed like swinging his swinging his leg around going is anybody missing do you think anybody's missing while the guy has his cocktail sitting on the box where Angel's body is inside of? And he's like, I don't know, Michael, but what the fuck? Why does your fucking house smell like disgustingness? So, like, he was crazy. He wanted people to he know. He wanted people to know that he killed him. And this is your aesthetic... <laughs> yes. This is just one <laughs> shitty club kid. Yeah. I mean, like the culture is not. Like, yeah. I'm just Unfortunately, kidding. everybody associates the culture with Michael. Yeah, but, but not... the rest of it, I think, is cool. But anyway, <laughs> can you imagine dismembering someone? God no. What a horrible God, no. experience that would be. To oh, to can you imagine cutting someone's leg off? And no. it had it's and it's, de- it's decomposing and it's got Drano all over it. So, anyway, so they put this guy in a box, and they're like, we gotta do something about the box now. What do we do with the box? So they want to go throw it in the river. So they call a taxi. Oh my god. Because it's New York. (laughs) Because it's New York, and they don't have a car. So they call a taxi. The taxi guy helps them carry the box into the trunk of the taxi, drives them to the Hudson River, and helps them dump it into the river. And so, they're like... I hope they tipped him. Well, that's the thing. (laughs) Oh. Is that they were like, didn't he ask questions? Like, what you were doing? Why you were throwing? He said he just wanted his $20. He didn't care. And I was like, oh my god, this cab driver. New York. (laughs) Fucking New York. Probably wasn't his first time throwing something sketchy into that river. (laughs) Um. Uh. So, okay, so here's my last little bit. Um, In the weeks following Melendez's disappearance, Alig allegedly told anyone who would listen that he and Riggs had killed him. So he was pretty much just going around bragging, like, oh yeah, we killed him. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, most people did not believe Alig and thought his confession was a ploy to get attention. Um, however, Michael Musto recalls, quote, By the time Alig sent out a party invite joking about the murder, a lot of people wanted to kill him, especially uh, since a source was floating a more primitive version of the killing. So before this ever, before the killing ever happened, um, Michael Alig was like a club promoter, so he like threw all these big parties pretty much and back in the day before they had Facebook invite they would have to make invitations to (laughs) what yeah they'd have to make invitations and flyers to go pass out to everybody wait a flyer like on Instagram (laughs) yeah Kelly yeah wait they they did okay keep keep going invented Instagram (laughs) anyway so like weeks before the killing happened there was a serial killer themed party and he made a flyer with him on the cover and another dude, I forget who was on the cover of the thing, with him with a hammer hitting someone in the head and it says, cut his legs off. Oh my God. So he was thinking about it for a while. Like he wanted to do that. Well... He didn't, they didn't say it was premeditative or anything like that. They said it it was, like, self-defense. He got charged for manslaughter, not for murder. What? No. Yep. Well, I mean, I believe you. I'm just saying, no. Yeah. Like, hell. Yeah. (laughs) And there's so many witnesses that's, like, he hated him. Like, he made fun of him. Like, he was, like, a total bully to him. Like, and it's, and Angel's story is really sad, and it's really sad because obviously everybody talks about Michael, nobody ever talks about Angel, mm-hmm. and he was like, there were like a few people in the interview that like actually were his friend that was like, he was like a nice guy, like yeah, he was a drug dealer or whatever, and but he was like a normal nice guy that just wanted to fit in like everybody else, and he was a misfit too, just like all the rest of those people there, and he was just trying to fit in, and drugs were his way to get in and then that's all anybody saw him as and that's very sad fuck that is super sad mm-hmm. yep and michael Alig just got out of prison in 2014 yeah and people celebrated yeah that's shitty yeah he has a youtube channel you can look. You can see him on YouTube, and they talk all about the book Disco Bloodbath that James St. James wrote, and they talk about scenes from Party Monster and what was real, what was fake, what they actually wore to party, this party, and what they actually didn't. And I'm like, oh my god, you killed a person! Yeah, <laughs> and you're like on YouTube now. What the fuck? That's wild. It's so fucked up. Shit. It's so fucked up. So yeah, that's my story. Thank you. That was a very good story. Thank you. Classic. (laughs) (laughs) There's that, like, screenshot of Michael Alec on, like, Maury, or no, he's on Jenny Jones, and it's, like, a thing that went viral, and it says, Michael, age 24, wants to sleep all day and party all night, and it's just, like, him with, like, big makeup on. He's just, like, on Jenny Jones. Yeah, there's actually a lot of, um... 
they were on a few like talk shows mm-hmm. and they're so funny that you can watch them on YouTube like just yeah. up like club kids on talk like talk show oh they're so funny because like the person is just like we don't and it's just a bunch of like white parents in the audience <laughs> like my kids I don't want my kids looking up to you heathens da, 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 da. and they're like all high out of their minds <laughs> like whatever <laughs> yikes pretty fun yeah it's fun so but yeah that sucks yeah that he was punished so leniently yeah and people still idolize him Mm -hmm. after killing some poor drugged out kid Mm -hmm. but he was on he was so out of it he doesn't even remember (sighs) yikes well he's lying uh, should, um, <laughs> who wants to go next? I feel like mine is a good ender, because okay. I think it's going to surprise you guys, because we haven't done anything quite like it yet. Okay, I'll do mine then. So, this week I'm doing a mystery, <gasps> but it's also a murder. It's a murder mystery. A murder mystery! Oh, uh, let's yeah. go watch Monk! Yeah, no. So, <laughs> yes. So this is the unsolved mystery of Detroit's occult murders. Ooh. And uh, I'm just going to read this article that um, was written by David Ian uh, McKendry uh, for Bloomhouse.com because it, I thought it was a really good article. Also, there's only like two articles about this that I could find. Alright, so. Uh, when police arrived at 3587 St. Aubin Street in Detroit, Michigan, on July 3rd, 1929, they found Benny Evangelista seated behind his desk, his hands neatly folded in his lap as though in prayer. They found his head on the floor right next to his feet. Upstairs, they found Mrs. Santina Evangelista and their children, Mario, the 18th-month-old baby, uh, 7-year-old Angelina, 5-year-old Margaret, and 4-year-old Jean. Miss Evangeli- uh, Evangelista was found in her bed with Mario. Her head had been severed, and Mario's skull was crushed. Across the hall, Angelina and Margaret were found in their twin beds, massacred. On the floor next to the beds was the body of Jean, also dead. Um, Benny Evangelista was a Sicilian immigrant and was also the founder of his own religion, known as the Union Federation of America. The church, or cult, was founded 20 years prior to his murder, when Benny first arrived in Philadelphia. In 1926, he wrote a 200-page Bible entitled, The Oldest History of the World, Discovered by Occult Science. Benny claimed to have been guided by various deities from several religions who would only speak to him between midnight and 3 a.m. Soon after settling in Detroit, it's the witching hour. Soon after settling in Detroit, Benny began holding services in his home. A self-proclaimed herbalist and healer, Benny also used his home as a treatment center for his followers, charging around $10 for his services. The police made several arrests in the family's murders and the family's murders and questioned several suspects, but in the end they all turned out to be dead ends. The case quickly went cold, but as police and the citizens of Detroit would soon discover, The murder of the Evangelista family was only the beginning of what would be a string of bizarre cult killings that would plague Detroit from 1929 to 1932. So, uh, I know, it's very... One major suspect in the Evangelista case was a man by the name of Robert Harris. 
It wasn't Harris. That's that's Kyle's last name. <gasps> oh, <laughs> I was like, who's Robert Harris? Do we know one? Uh, it wasn't a far stretch, considering Harris was also the founder of his own Detroit-based cult and was already in jail for murder. Um, on November twenty, November twentieth, nineteen thirty-two, police found the body of James J. Smith tied to a crudely built altar and stabbed through the heart with with a silver knife. Harris claimed that the, uh, that Smith was a willing sacrifice and had offered himself as such. However, the fact that Harris had to knock Smith out with a wagon axle before stabbing him threw suspicion on that claim. After his arrest, Harris declared himself to be a king and revealed his plans to kill several more people, including Detroit's mayor. Dream big. Good, good idea. <laughs> yeah, dream big. Although Harris had originally confessed to the Evangelista killings too, the fingerprints found at the scene did not match. He was quickly quickly ruled not the Evangelista killer and as uh, just wanting to promote his own religion. But despite the unusual nature of the Evangelista case and the Harris cult murders, it would not be the most unusual thing Detroit would see during those days of the early days of the Depression. At first glance, uh, you wouldn't think much of Rose Veres, a Hungarian immigrant. Rose was not unlike most immigrants of the time. She had escaped the harsh living conditions of the old world for a new life in America. She worked hard, and even though it was during the Depression, she still managed to piece together enough money to purchase a home, which she turned into a boarding house. But to her neighbors, Rose was also known as the Witch of Del Rey. On August 27, 1931, police arrived at her boarding house with a warrant for her arrest in connection with the deaths of ten men who had one, at one time or another lived under her roof. Police were tipped off to her activities after the death of 68-year-old Steve Mack, who died after falling or being pushed off a ladder. It was quickly discovered that Rose had placed life insurance policies on her borders and was making up to $4,000 for each death. In total, the police found 50 other insurance policies, some of which had already been paid out. Despite an overwhelming amount of evidence, Rose was not easy to convict. This was primarily due to the fact that none of her neighbors wanted to testify against her. It was widely believed by her Hungarian neighbors that just making eye contact with her was enough to make children sick and husbands lose their jobs. She was believed to possess a great knowledge of all forms of black magic. Many of uh, many believed she had the power to transform herself into a wolf, so none of her neighbors dared to testify. Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> she sounds like spooky, it. yeah. <laughs> uh, Rose's undoing wouldn't come until several years after the murders started, when more African Americans began moving into the neighborhood. Rose found these new neighbors not as easy to intimidate with stories of evil eyes and dark magic. After the death of Steve Mack, Rose's new neighbor an African-American man by the name of George Halaz came forward to testify that he saw a pair of arms push Mac off the ladder from an upstairs bedroom. A pair also, of arms? Yes. <laughs> also damning was the testimony of John Walker, another neighbor, who said that he saw, not only saw Mac fall, but that he was also offered $500 by Rose to keep his mouth shut. Finally, in August, Rose admitted to pushing Mac, claiming money as the motive. She was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. However, in December of 1945, Rose, now in her 60s, was retried and exonerated. 
Detroit's most prolific serial killer was set free. Several years ago, the Evangelista's home in, on St. Aubin Street was demolished. All that remains now is grown over an, an, uh, an empty lot that no one has built on since. There are those that say the site is haunted and others who have claimed to have seen a headless man walking the lot. Others have reported seeing or hearing disembodied screams. The Evangelista murders remain unsolved to this day. That's a good spooky one. But she's suspected? Um, because they were all kind of, like, occult-related, uh-huh. and so they think that maybe it was her, but... What year did you Ooh. say this? This it? was 1929 uh, to 1930 That's a good... That's a good time era to yeah. tell that story. That's yeah. a spooky yeah, this is couple of years yeah. there. <laughs> bad time. I probably would have died, honestly, if I lived through the Great Depression. I probably just would have died. My grandma lived through the Great Depression, and she was, like, from Kansas, like a family of farmers, uh-huh. and she, that bitch did not waste anything. Like, she would, like, eat, like, old food, and she would <sighs> save little old things uh-huh. and try to repurpose them. Uh-huh. Like, she did not waste anything. She's a super smart lady. That's tight. I mean, yeah. I just want some tips. Give, she should give me some tips. Mm-hmm. Should I do my story now? Yeah. Okay. Can we do the story of Annie next week? That's a Great Depression story. Like the Annie? musical? Yeah. The summer. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait, Aunt That is Annie. kind of a spooky story. It like. is a spooky ass story. Who knows? Miss Hannigan, Hannigan is like murdered scary. kids. We don't know if she murdered kids. Uh, thank you. <laughs> okay, so this week our like recording schedule got a little fludged up. So I didn't really do any research for this. Instead, I just uh, printed out an article that I love. I post it on Facebook every year around Halloween. Mm-hmm. It's a little spooky. I'm not going to give anything away, but the story is called The Meat Lover. It is from Refinery29. Story is by Peter Castle. Words by Connie Wang. Kanye West? Yes. yes. Connie Wang. <laughs> In the summer of 2005, I moved to New York to live with a girl I had been dating long distance. And as moving across the country to be with a girl stories usually go, it didn't work out. Our reunion was short-lived, and I needed some place to stay quick. In my experience, finding good housing in New York is largely based on luck, and I had that in low reserve. I tried all the usual avenues, Craigslist, friends, friends of friends, acquaintances of friends, and after a few weeks of searching, I finally managed to be put in contact with a guy who had a spare room to sublet for a super low price in the Lower East Side. The owner of this apartment, we'll call him Doug, was a heavy-drinking, chain-smoking freelance writer who had also recently split from his girlfriend. His ex-girlfriend's office space was in the apartment, which made the perfect bedroom to rent out. I was in a sort of headspace at the time that necessitated a lot of shut-door boozing and miscellany, and I found it highly attractive that Doug seemed to be into the same kind of mopery that I was. Plus, the room for rent was large for the Lower East Side, 
seemed cloistered enough from Doug's area that I would have a decent amount of privacy, and while it gave off the kind of dude funk smell that some might have shielded away from, it wasn't that big of a deal considering it was also devoid of rats, mold, and water damage. It seemed perfect. This place seems perfect, I said to Doug, and of course the follow-up, what's wrong with it? Nothing's wrong with the room, he said a little too cautiously. But you're talking about the price, right? Why is it so low? Ha, oh, no. I joked. Did someone die in there or what? No, nothing like that. But something did happen. And if I and I'd feel like an ass if I didn't if I rented the place out to you and didn't tell you what happened here a few months ago. Months. Ah, <sighs> uh, the words every subletter wants to hear. And with that, we launched into the best story I've ever heard about New York City housing. After Doug's girlfriend left him a few months before I met him, he became unable to afford the rent by himself. He quickly found Jack via Craigslist, a recent Columbia Journalism School graduate and fellow writer. Like Doug, Jack was also quiet and a loner, choosing to order Chinese food and chip away at his novel instead of getting drunk like the LES revelers on the sidewalks below. But he was courteous and stayed out of Doug's perma-sedated way, which is the exact kind of stranger you want to be living with. After living with Jack for a few months, Doug was running home through the middle of a raging rainstorm and noticed that Jack's window was wide open, water pounding into the room. He rushed up the stairs, still dripping wet, and knocked on Jack's door. Nobody answered, and Doug figured Jack was out. He found his master key, opened the door, and clicked on the light. Neatly piled into stacks were Chinese food containers, some ten boxes high, some already toppled with their half-eaten contents strewn on the floor. The cartons covered all the available area on the floor except for a narrow walkway to the, to the bed and the desk. Doug stood horrified at the doorway, then noticed the water flooding the floor by the window. He rushed over to close it. Compulsive hoarders, as anyone who spent a decent time watching TV will know, are not rare. There are between 6 to 15 million hoarders living in the United States, with many of them carrying on seemingly normal lives outside of their obsessive disorder. This fact didn't make Doug any more comfortable with the toy city of rotting Chinese food in his spare bedroom. He was going to kick Jack out when he got back to the apartment. Then he saw the boot. Doug leaned over to pick it up, knowing what the contents were before his fingers even made contact. Spilled out from the tops were strings of low mein noodles and hard pieces of dried rice. Doug was sure he could see crushed over mounds or crusted over mounds of meat and hardened sauce. Sickened, Doug sat down sat down the shoe, and as he did so he noticed a shadow in the shape of a human body beneath the twin bed. With absolute trepidation, Doug lifted the bed and slid it a few feet away, knocking over a pile of takeout boxes. What he uncovered wasn't to his immediate wasn't to his immediate relief a real person, but it was a person's shape with a hooded sweatshirt attached to gloves and a pair of jeans, with the other boot tucked into the leg. Coming out of the seams were remnants of noodles, rice, and meat, grease-stained grease stains pooling around the fabric onto the floor, spoiled scraps of food filling the hoodie to the brim. 
Doug scanned the body, and yep, there it was. Noodles oozed out of the unzipped fly, a glory hole that Jack had ostensibly been taking advantage of all spring long. (laughs) Doug called an emergency locksmith who came and changed the locks within the hour. Jack arrived home not too long afterward and found it locked. I just need my laptop, he called through the door. Doug slid the laptop through the mail slot. He could hear Jack's footsteps click down the hall and the apartment entrance door slam shut. During the following days, Doug hired cleaners to remove all the food that Jack had left behind. Though the room had been cleared of all the takeout containers, along with the meat lover, which I've since started using to describe the effigy, (laughs) the floors and walls scrubbed clean and the room aired out for days, the smell still lingered. Doug paused. So yeah, the room is cheap. What happened was fucked up. Doug looked ready to pass out, and I felt faint. I'm sorry, dude. I can't, I muttered, and headed for the door. I regret leaving in such haste now, as the amount of questions I have are overwhelming. Didn't Doug smell something weird coming from Jack's room before he went in? Didn't he notice that Jack never took out any trash? What did he think was on his laptop? I've considered calling him to tie up the loose mental ends, which would lend to this story that I've retold at least a hundred times much more credence, but really, I hate to bother the guy. That summer was an especially damaging one for me, and I wasn't the one who had to clean up a leaking sex toy my ex-roommate had constructed out of decomposing Chinese food. Fuck. (laughs) Is that real? That is real. What the hell? And that, my friends... Is the story of the meat lover. Oh my god. Yeah. I love that story. It's so gross. Oh, I can't believe that. I can't believe that that's real. That's a real life thing that happened in real life. That guy graduated from Columbia. Amazing. I wanted to go to Columbia. Not anymore. Yeah, not into. Kelly, Noodle. is that what happened to you when you lived in New York? I actually, I didn't live in New York City. I lived upstate. Oh. Yeah, it was lame. <laughs> Did you ever go to New York City? No. We were poor. We didn't travel at all. We were Never not once? We were way up there, though. We were closer to Toronto than we were to New York. What? Yeah. Dang, I didn't know that. We were, like, at the very top, yeah. Oh. Wowie, sowie. Let's take a Brave Girls New York trip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shout out to uh, Caitlin and Andrew, if you're listening. They're my friends who just moved from California to New York Uh, about a year ago. My pen lives in New York. Oh, yeah. And she listens to our podcast. Shout out to Chloe. Shout out to Chloe. Yeah. We got two New York stories this time. Yeah, two extra Mm -hmm. gross New York Mm -hmm. stories and a Detroit story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shout out to Detroit. Detroit. The setting of It Follows, which we all watched together. Yes. I love that movie. And also Eight Mile. What up? (laughs) Which we are all going to watch together right now. I remember uh, going to the drive-in when that movie came out, and I went to go see a different movie, but it was playing, like, as we were leaving. Eight Mile? Yeah, that's right. Eight Mile story. Oh, cool. Anyway. I like that movie, because I love Brittany Murphy. Who doesn't? And I like her 
weird little hair flip in that movie that she has going on. I never saw 8 Mile. Really? But there's still time. I watched it when I was young. Don't know why, but I That's did. That's a weird movie to watch yeah. as a child. Yeah. Hmm. Probably not. Kids love Eminem. Yeah. And M&M's. Yeah. The tasty treat that melts in your mouth, not in your hand. But also, it kind of does colors come off yeah, in it's, your hand. It's hot here. Everything melts in your hand if you hold it there long enough. True. True. Plug our stuff. Plug it. Yeah. 54. Alright, I guess we'll plug our stuff. Do we have anything else? I don't think so. I printed out a bunch of scary stories. Cause Shout I... out to Ace and Tracy oh, for yeah. letting oh, us use their yeah. stuff today. Thank Without you so much, you, guys. We'll be able to record. Thank you very much. Also, I want to do a shout out to our Patreon patrons. Oh, yeah. I, we Since the last episode, we got Dennis and Aaron, who are my, my other two siblings. <laughs> Wait, are you sure we didn't shout them out last time? We did shout them out last time. We, what about Kyle? Did we shout him? I think we shouted out Kyle and we shouted okay. out Michael, but we didn't shout out Dennis and uh, Aaron. We didn't shout out Aaron, but we did shout out Dennis. Anyway, really? we can shout them out again. Okay. Shout out to all of you, yeah. Yeah. We Look also... out for cool stuff that will be headed your way because if you're a patron and you give us money, we make special stuff for only those people. Oh, oh yeah. We're going to start recording junk for y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More content for your bond tent. Mm-hmm. That's your head. <laughs> Maybe some handwritten letters. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Perfumed, a, f- a photograph of us. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. Headshots. Spray the yeah. letter with perfume. Ooh. Yeah. And send it. Yeah. Or just dip it in Drano. Ooh. Ooh. Or our own blood. That's Ooh. We can write it in our own blood. Yeah. These are all such good ideas. Enjoy that, yeah. Can we get headshots done? <laughs> like, I do. I have headshots. So oh, do yeah. I from when I was like eight years old. Do so. you have those? Yes, my I do. My headshots are from, like, last year. <laughs> Dang. But I have them on my, I think my mom posted one on our Facebook not that long ago. I'm the headshot. only non-performer. <laughs> True. True, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dang. I was a little actress when I was young. I did a thing for Animal Planet. Look at me. Were you a giraffe? I wish. No. I sang the national anthem for a turtle race. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> How have you never told us that? Yeah, what? <laughs> I sang the national anthem for a turtle race. That's so cute. Yeah. Oh my god. It was on a show called Animal Kidding. Oh. And it was kids with animals. That's so cool. And it's just me screaming the national anthem because there were other, there was another two little girls there too. And I wanted to be the loudest. So I was, Naturally. I'm just like, oh, i yeah, can you sing us out? Can you? No. Okay. Sorry. So, send us your Unless campfire tales. It's oh. I get it. Yeah, that's right, I said it. Because <laughs> everything but, but, but brave girls. Oh, God. Um, so. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, 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 no. So, Lindsay did Michael Alec this episode, and when we were doing sound tests earlier, one of the things she said, like, absentmindedly into the microphone was, I'm Lindsay, and I'm here to party. 
I did say that. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. And then the lights turned off later on. She did a demon voice and then the lights turned off. Spooky. That was spooky. I didn't like that at all. Not one no, bit. it was spooky. Mm. I remember one time when I was little, I was hanging out with my friend Brittany. Shout out to Brittany. And we were on her bunk bed and we were making bead bracelets out of little beads. And they were glow in the dark and we had a blackout. But it was okay because we could still make them because they were glow in the dark beads. So we just kept making our little bracelets. <laughs> That's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's a good blackout um, activity. Craft, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I want a glow in the dark basketball. <laughs> yeah. I have a basketball hoop in That's my front why yard. They make glow in the dark condoms or um, blackouts. But where okay. do you know how to yeah. stick it? That's true. <laughs> it's so glowy. Do vaginas not glow in the dark already? Do your well, do your guys' vaginas not glow in the dark? <laughs> that would that would be so funny. Just anytime the lights go out. There's it's like, just like a flashlight. <laughs> you just have to you have to like walk around like this, like to see it's where like you're going. One of those hideous fish that lives on the bottom of the ocean with that glowy oh, like light that thing. glowy thing that uh, is right here. Those are cool. What if it came out? Anglerfish. <laughs> anglerfish. Yeah, what okay, if we had an ew. anglerfish light bulb? <laughs> okay. In our vaginas? <laughs> so you can what mail in your this? stories to, uh, this is the fish podcast. <laughs> the fish vagina podcast. Oh no. Ew. Oh no, Kelly. What the... Was that too much? That wasn't even that much. <laughs> no. Okay, Okay, go I'm going to try and uh, save this by saying that uh, at the DMV today, there was a little boy there, and he had this bright yellow shirt on, and it said, this shirt glows when I'm ignoring you. Fuck. I was like, fuck. That's savage. That is Because I read it, and he was ignoring me, so. That kid's a dick. <laughs> I don't want to be his friend anyway. I didn't either, but, like, he told me. Yeah, I guess it was his choice. <sighs> yeah. So, where should they send their stories if they have them, Kelly? I don't know. No, send them to our Gmail. Bravegirlspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. We are the Brave Girls Club Podcast. Uh, find us on Instagram at Brave Girls Podcast, Twitter at Brave Girls Pod. You can find us now on Patreon. Uh, we accept any amount of money. A uh, dollar will get you a shout out. So, and maybe eventually it'll get you a sticker or a pin. We're figuring that out right now. Uh, and then, if you're not listening to on iTunes, we're on iTunes. If you are listening on iTunes, we're also on Mixcloud and Soundcloud. So, hit us up. Booyah. Leave us a review. It means a lot. Mm-hmm. True. Well, thanks for listening. Stay brave. And... Bye. Finish those noodles, kids. Ew! Oh, no! <laughs> Not the noodles.